Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Our next host is a giant in the industry. Let me tell you a little bit about George Knapp, a Nevada journalist who has been honored with the highest awards in broadcast journalism, folks. The Peabody Award, he's got a couple of those, the DuPont Award from Columbia University, the Edward R. Murrow Award, 27-plus regional Emmy Awards for investigative reporting. Just to put it in perspective, I've got three, he's got 27. Environmental reporting, news writing, he's a longtime chief investigative reporter for a television station in Las Vegas where he has worked as news anchor as well. He co-authored the best-selling book, Hunt for the Skinwalker, Back in 1989, his reports about Nevada's Area 51 military base, selected by UPI at the time as the best individual achievement by a reporter, he basically broke that story. It is my honor to bring in George Knapp. Mr. Knapp, thank you for being part of the program. Mr. Norrie, always good to talk to you. How you doing? And you have been part of this program way before I was. How did that start for you? Uh, Art Bell, uh, you know, he was on K-Don Radio here in Las Vegas, and he wanted to sort of expand, and uh, he had talked to me about asking for an introduction to Bob Bigelow, who had just started spending money on UFO and paranormal-related uh-huh. research. And I made an introduction, and they, uh, Bob sponsored a program. It was Area 2000, I think uh, it was called at first. Right. And uh, that's how it started. I did the newscast. Linda Howe was part of it as well for uh, a year or so. I want to publicly tell the world right now, George, that you are the finest UFO host I have ever heard in broadcasting. There's nobody who compares to you. Well, I appreciate it, uh, George, uh, that coming from you especially. But I've been at it a long time, you know, and uh, I figured when I started this back in the late 80s, uh, you know, what this topic needs is a good investigative reporter. Give me six months. I'll have this figured out. And here it is 30-plus years later, and I might know less now than I did back then. (laughs) Were you in the right place at the right time for studying some of these UFOs, getting Bob Lazar to talk and things like that? Exactly. That's exactly it. It's a little bit of luck and a little bit of geography moving to Las Vegas in the late 70s and then being in the news business and uh, just running into a guy named John Lear, who was my first uh, entry point to the whole topic. And then meeting Lazar. I mean, I had no idea we had the atomic test site out outside of Las Vegas or that there was a Nellis Air Force Base or a place called Area 51 or that I would meet a guy named Bob Bigelow, who uh, became such a central player in all that's happened in ufology for the last couple of decades. But all that sort of uh, coalesced, and I'm lucky to be where I am. What do you think of the Pentagon revealing that, yeah, okay, we have this video, and it's unusual. We don't know what it is, but it's uh, it's right here. You know, interesting. It's been exciting the last couple of years, the videos that came out, having statements from the Pentagon acknowledging these are unidentified. We don't know what they are. Now you're seeing in the last couple of days some pushback, which I always expected to happen. They're putting out articles that sort of cast doubt on uh, UFOs and whether they're truly unidentified. I've always said that the people who have muddied the waters on this topic, the people who would come up with things like swamp gas as explanations, are better at their job than the people like you and I are at ours. Uh, No offense, but uh, they've been at this a long time. They muddy the waters, they confuse us, keep us off balance, and I think that's what's underway right now. George, what is your favorite UFO story? 
Well, I would say Bob Lazar and Area 51, I kind of fell into that. That was my baptism by fire, uh, learning uh, all the personalities in the UFO field. I had no idea that people would still be talking about that 30 years later. Uh, and, you know, at that time, the, the prevailing paradigm was UFOs represent craft from other planets, ETs, that are visiting us. And now, uh, you know, I'm not so sure that uh, I, I buy that anymore. And what changed uh, my point of view was Skinwalker Ranch. Bob Bigelow bought that project, uh, that property in Utah, and had a team of scientists on it for a number of years. And yes, there were UFOs there, but it was Bigfoot, it's poltergeist, it's crop circles, it's... Uh, all kinds of weird phenomena that seem to coexist in the same place. And it was almost like a learning curve telling us that reality is a lot stranger than we might think it is. And somehow these phenomena are interrelated. It's a strange, strange place, isn't it? Very strange. You know, I always have had a good feeling when I've been there. I've been there a couple of dozen times and and have spent the night many times there. And, and, uh, you know, some some people go in and, and, it's like they bring baggage into it. And if they're afraid, if they're hostile, they have bad experiences. I've always had good experiences there, although I've never seen anything that we could call paranormal. George, the phone lines are lit crazy for you. Let's get some calls for you. Mike in Denver, Colorado, you're on with George Knapp, Michael. Go ahead. Hey, George, good morning. Thank you so much for taking my call, and thank you so much for doing this show. It's, I'm really excited for it, and I'm, I'm, I think it's a, it was an excellent idea. You're an innovator, George, and um, thank you so much. Um, uh, Mr. Knapp, uh, George, it's it's really great to talk to you as well. And, you know, when you think of Coast to Coast AM, you think of George Knapp. I mean, they go hand in hand. Yep. And, um, you know, I wanted to ask you, I mean, because you were kind of at the forefront, obviously, of the Area 51 movement, so to speak, this past year. Um, what really got you motivated to be um, so passionate about that and put so much energy and time and you made a huge difference for the UFO community. So thank you. Well, for me, it was always the paper trail. You know, as a reporter, I can't go out and see UFOs when I want to, although I've tried hundreds and hundreds of times spending time out in the desert looking around. Uh, I have never seen one that I know of or that I can rem- remember, but the paper trail is what got me hooked. Government documents, uh, memos, reports that were written before the FOIA, before Freedom of Information Act existed, where these military agencies and intelligence agencies are very candid with each other in saying, these things are not ours, they're not Russians, they're from somewhere else, and we need to figure out what they are. After FOIA became the law of the land, of course, we got to look at some of these documents, and, and the, you know, the Pentagon doesn't write uh, documents like that anymore. At least they don't put them in where we can find them. So that's what got me started. It told me that these agencies that have dismissed this, that have lied to us, that have misled the public, uh, provided disinformation about the subject, uh, really do take it seriously. And that that hooked me. George, since you've been doing this and you've been doing it for a long, long time, do you think we're in an era right now where we're going to really get the kind of disclosure we expect? I do not. Uh, I hate to be I'm, a pessimist. I'm like you. No, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just like you. I tell Steve Bassett all the time, it ain't coming. No, I don't think so. I don't think anybody, uh, I, I'm not sure that anybody knows, George. I think there are obviously are people who know a lot more than you and I and the, the general public do. Um, but th- there is no big push inside a government to reveal this information. And I'm not sure they really have an answer for it. Uh, they have an idea. It's alien to us. It's from somewhere else. But I'm not sure that they know for sure 
who it is, where they're from, and why they're here. And it, I can't imagine a president or national leader making that kind of an announcement. Have you ever been approached by any agency to just try to quell what you were working on? I have been approached by a lot of agencies, but it's never been the knock on the door that tell me to knock it off. Okay. Um, and so, you know, I, I figure, well, maybe I'm doing something they want done or they don't just don't care what I do. What got you into broadcasting in the first place, George? I, I It was just pure luck. I moved to Las Vegas in the late 70s. A flip of a coin brought me here. And uh, uh, some guys I had met in Berkeley, California, said they knew a guy in television in Las Vegas and he'd help me get a job. So the guy in television in Las Vegas was a a studio cameraman at the PBS station, not exactly a broadcasting muckety-muck, but I showed up and I bugged them long enough till they gave me a job sort of as a assistant carpenter and then studio cameraman, and I pestered the news department long enough till they gave me a try. Were you a late bloomer? Uh, no, I just thought I was going to be an academic. I was teaching at the university level and uh, realized that it was not really what I wanted to do. I didn't want to get a Ph.D., and I didn't want to be poor the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when is Vegas going to open up again? That's a great question. It's such a weird vibe here, George. I know you and Tom Danheiser are, are big Las Vegas fans. I love it. It is so weird. I mean, the lights are on, but nobody's home. They're, they're taking small steps now to reopen some restaurants and businesses. It started a couple of days ago. We're still a ways before the casinos can reopen. They're, you know, implementing a lot of changes that would uh, protect uh, their workers and guests. They're doing it right. You know, the uh, the casino industry shut down on its own. They, they took this step before our governor stepped in. And Las Vegas might be the hardest hit uh, city in the country, economically at least. Health-wise, we're not as bad. The numbers are not as bad as elsewhere. But it is it is so weird to see it, uh, the strangest time. To, it's the first time some of these places have ever locked their doors. Uh, and I'm so used to Vegas at night where, I mean, traffic is just horrendous and everything else, but people are hustling and bustling all over the place. It's got to be barren right now. Yeah, you know, there's still people that are drive the strip. They just want to look around and uh, and kind of take it all in, and they can't wait to get back into those places and enjoy the shows. It just it's going to be such a change. I mean, can you imagine, George, being in a showroom in Las Vegas? You've filled uh, rooms here packed them in with with fans is that ever going to be possible again god Uh, maybe not for a while maybe not for a while let's go to mike in connecticut hey michael you're on with george knapp go ahead hey george i wanted to ask you it's a privilege first of all it's a privilege to 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 talk to both of you thank you and i have a question for mr knapp what was it like before you got on the plane when you left the Soviet Union with those documents that you uh, <laughs> appropriated, I mean, what what was your feeling? I mean, uh, well, uh, when I'm on the plane, uh, the feeling was relief because I'd already been through several checkpoints and uh, it hadn't been stopped. Tell us his um, story, George. Well, I made two trips to the uh, former USSR in the in the 90s. There had been an article in the New York Times about. Lee Harvey Oswald and how the KGB opened up its files. And Mm -hmm. it occurred to me, hey, maybe they'd open up their UFO files. Surely they have studied this like many governments around the world. I figured there's a window of opportunity there. And I met a Russian scientist who had worked as a national security advisor for the Russian parliament. And uh, he agreed to help set up some contacts. So he did. He found people who had never, uh, never spoken in public about the issue, but had been in positions to know. 
And I went over to Russia and met him and talked him into releasing some materials, some of which was still classified. And the, the Russian documents uh, that were very sensitive, they would stamp them only on the top page. So I'm not, I'm not sure I should say this, but I I, I, uh, I figured out a way to take them out. And I carried them <laughs> on my person. And uh, if they'd caught me, I'd be in a gulag somewhere. Yes, you would. Uh, you wouldn't be hosting the show with us, that's for sure. <laughs> Boy, that's uh, pretty intriguing. Were you scared? Yeah, pretty pretty nervous about it because it was sensitive uh, material back then. And Russia was, it was a very tumultuous uh, time period uh, politically. There were demonstrations in Red Square almost every day. On, on the day that I arrived, uh, Boris Yeltsin had ordered a seizure of the broadcast airwaves. The, the Russian parliament was suspended like 10 days later. It was very tense and uh, people were nervous about talking to us. And I, I think if well, I did. I went back three years later, and some of the people who had gone on camera and had helped me in 1993 uh, would no longer talk to us because the the rise of the of Putin, pro-Putin folks, uh, they didn't know what their future might might hold if they cooperated with a Western journalist. Earl is in Pennsylvania. Hey, Earl, you're on with George Knapp. Go ahead. Hey, guys. Uh, great show. Been interested in a long time. Uh, a lot of uh, subjects you guys talk about on your show, man, it just They've been piquing my interest ever since I was a kid. It's the best. But uh, I wanted to ask, uh, you know, in any of the stories uh, or research uh, that you've gotten, uh, I guess it's for either one of you guys, you know, but uh, have you guys found out uh, found any kind of correlation in areas that are frequented by a lot of UFO uh, sightings and then either like a couple of days before or a couple of days after, you know, there's like uh, Bigfoot uh, sightings in the same area. That's an interesting question. George, uh, when you've studied some of these UFO hotspots, do you get any Bigfoot stories tied into that? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Skinwalker Ranch is one example. Uh, one of the reasons why I was given the green light to go ahead and write about it is Bigelow's organization, NIDS, at the time, wanted to see if there was other, were other hot spots that were similar to Skinwalker. And in fact, there are. Uh, Sedona, Arizona, Dulce, New Mexico, Yakima, Washington, uh, all of them having a strong Native American presence, but with multiple kinds of phenomena, UFOs, orbs, uh, poltergeist type stuff, Bigfoot encounters, uh, and other uh, creatures, mystery creatures, crypto creatures. We don't exactly understand how they all fit together or if they do, but yeah, they are often seen in proximity. Extraterrestrials, UFOs, are they coming from other dimensions within the planet, other planetary systems? What do you think? I heard you uh, say something earlier tonight and, and previously that you think they live here. I do too. I think, I think they've been here a long time. I don't know what you call them, uh, but um, you know, if they have the technology that they've demonstrated, uh, they could bend space and time. They could be from anywhere, any time. They could be extraterrestrial and interdimensional. I, I think they're probably so far ahead of, ahead of us that we're, we may never figure it out. George, what continues to drive you? Well, I love the work as it's a really exciting time for UFO research in particular. And, and it's expanded too. you know, doing the show, you know, TV, I love it. It's my job. I'm, I'm still active at KLAS and I've Good. got this website, Mystery Wire. Coast to Coast is, is a, such a, a vibrant platform. Uh, four hours a time, you can cover a lot of stuff. You and, sure and, can. You know, we get to interview writers who have really in, original ideas that might got, not get exposure uh, other than Coast to Coast. And 
it's fun. It's exciting. I look forward to it every month when I host the program. Well, and it gives you the ability to get to people. I just got a text tonight from Russell Crowe, the actor. Wow. Who's going to be in another, he's got another movie called Unhinged about road rage. And he's, he's texting me saying, hey, when uh, can I come on? The movie's in July. And, uh, you know, that's intriguing. That's, it's, it's, a, it's a great show. You know, I, I, uh, you know, I've been on television here in Las Vegas a long time, so people will recognize me when I get out of the house, which isn't very often. But I'm amazed <laughs> by, the, by the reach of Coast to Coast. Oh, it's uh, huge. I remember being in a restaurant, Steve Lawrence, the singer, you know, the yeah. crooner. He pulls me over. Hey, I really love your work. Oh, you mean Channel 8? Oh, I'm talking about Coast to Coast. <laughs> oh, and then that's fantastic. John, John Fogarty, you just played a Creedence song. Oh, yeah, song. he loves the program. I used the uh, the Coast to Coast connection to get an on-camera interview with him last year, and we stay in touch. It, it's, it's been awesome. That's fantastic. And, George, you keep doing what you do for us. Think the world of you, my friend. You're the best. George Thank- Knapp. And Thank you, George. Great. Glad to be part of the team. You got it, my friend. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.